48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. Foreign Minister says Hong Kong people will one day learn to love the one country, two systems principle. Lan Kwai Fong braces for a downbeat festive season. And the central government prepares to host Japan and South Korea for talks. The Foreign Minister Wang Yi says time will prove that the one country, two systems principle will be well liked by Hong Kong people and that any attempts to interfere with China's internal affairs will be forgotten. Priscilla Ng reports. In an interview with state media, Mr. Wang said time would prove the one country, two systems principle was feasible for Hong Kong. He also said attempts to interfere in China's domestic matters or hinder its development would be, in his words, abandoned by history. The state councillor said this year marked 40 years of ties between Washington and Beijing, and there should be good reason to celebrate. Instead, Washington had imposed restrictions and put pressure on the country by launching a smearing campaign on a range of sovereignty-related issues. He said China would safeguard its core interests, and no one could stop the 1.4 billion Chinese people from the path of modernization. Christmas Eve bookings in the Lan Kwai Fong entertainment area are below par, despite a rise in patronage as violent protests eased off in December. Richard Pine reports. The director of the Lan Kwai Fong Association, Anthea Cheung, says restaurant bookings for tonight were half of that compared to previous years. Speaking on an RTHK radio show, Ms Cheung said despite the drop in business, lunch bookings had recently gone up, meaning people were still going out for meals, but just avoiding going out at night. Overall, she said Lan Kwai Fong business had dropped by up to a third compared to previous years. Ms Cheung also played down the impact of frequent road closures by police due to protests, saying whenever there were large-scale festivals in Lan Kwai Fong, crowd control measures were also implemented. The High Court has refused bail for a man who's alleged to have tried to ram his car at police officers in Chim Sa Choi last month when police were besieging the Polytechnic University. Tong Chung Lung, who's a renovation worker, faces eight charges, including assaulting police and dangerous driving. He'll be remanded in custody until his next court appearance in the middle of next month. The leaders of Japan and South Korea at loggerheads on a range of issues are due in the city of Chengdu today for bilateral talks as well as a joint meeting with the Premier Lee Ka-chung. Ties between the two countries have been frayed by disagreements on trade and outstanding issues dating back to World War II when the Japanese occupied Korea. Their common goal to contain the nuclear threat from North Korea is also being discussed. The U.S. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer has called for documents and testimony from key officials as part of the forthcoming impeachment trial of President Trump. Mr. Trump is accused of making military aid to Ukraine contingent on Kiev starting an investigation into his presidential rival Joe Biden. Senator Schumer called on President Trump to cooperate with his trial in the Senate. He can do all the name-calling he wants. Give an answer to why we shouldn't have witnesses and documents. And he hasn't given a good answer, plain and simple. Until he does, he's not going to be able to escape the fact that he is probably, and President Trump is probably, not certainly, but it seems to the average person they're hiding the truth, they're afraid of the truth. Boeing has fired its chief executive, Dennis Mullenberg, who had been heavily criticised for two fatal crashes involving the company's 737 MAX aircraft. Nearly 350 people died in the accident. The US firm said a change in leadership was needed to restore confidence. Scott Hamilton is an aviation industry consultant with Lee Ham News and Analysis. 
There are many who thought that uh, Dennis should have been fired or resigned a long time ago. The board at Boeing historically does not like to change horses in midstream. They usually wait till a crisis is over. But in this case, it obviously reached a point where they decided they had to make a change now. Boeing's response has been problematic from the get-go. First off, Boeing blamed the pilots. He denied any responsibility at Boeing whatsoever for the quite a while. He really didn't show any empathy or sympathy for the victim's family. Zipporah Korea, whose father died in the second crash in Ethiopia, welcomed Mr. Mullenberg's departure. It's a bit of a bittersweet moment, a little too late, I think. I think it would have been the right thing to have done at the beginning, but he sort of used this as a platform to see whether he could rehabilitate his reputation, which I think it was the wrong thing to do. So I think he should have resigned a long time ago, but we are glad that he's finally stepped down. Aid workers say fighting in the northern Syrian province of Idlib has forced 100,000 people to flee their homes over the past five days. The International Rescue Committee said thousands more were trapped by clashes between rebels and Syrian government forces backed by Russia. Jural Basu from Save the Children said extreme weather was exacerbating the situation. People are fleeing this time in very difficult conditions because it's winter time. There's been flash floods, a lot of rain, and people who are living already in camps who had already been displaced by conflict are on the move again. So we're talking about hundreds of thousands of children who are at risk of further displacement now. There's been criticism of the trial in Saudi Arabia of those accused of killing the journalist Yamal Khashoggi who was murdered in the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. Five people have been sentenced to death and others jailed. A top aide to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman was investigated but not charged. Agnes Kalamad, a UN special rapporteur who examined the case, described the verdict as a mockery of justice, saying the masterminds of the murder had gone free. The state is responsible. Therefore, one needs to investigate who within the state has to be held liable for the killing. That investigation has not taken place. That prosecution has not taken place. Therefore, the trial only focused on what was the easiest to tackle, that is the hitman. But the United States called the trial an important first step in holding those responsible for the killing accountable. 25 Roma men accused of masterminding the trafficking of a 1,000 children to beg and steal in Europe have been acquitted at a final appeal hearing in Romania. A court in central Romania said prosecutors had failed to prevent, present evidence. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. It's a verdict that's deeply disappointing to human rights groups and investigators. British police began working with their Romanian counterparts on the case more than a decade ago. In Britain, police convicted 120 people for offences including child trafficking and laundering the money children were forced to steal. Bernie Gravitt, who led the British investigation, said he'd personally seen truckloads of evidence sent to the Romanian authorities and asked where it had gone. It was disgusting that not one person has been convicted in Romania, he said. A human rights group in Bucharest called it a huge failure of the Romanian justice system. A Spanish TV reporter caused a major surprise when, while reporting live on air on the results of the famous El Gordo lottery, she declared that she herself had drawn a winning ticket. Here's the BBC's Yusuf Taha. 
Natalia Escudero screamed excitedly on camera and declared to her bewildered co-presenters in the studio that she would not be returning to work. But to her disappointment, she later learned that she'd only won 5,000 euros. The Christmas El Gordo, meaning the fat one, is one of the richest lotteries in the world with a prize pool in excess of 2 billion euros. Viewers criticized Miss Escudero for giving the impression that she'd won the top prize of 4 million euros. She apologized for any confusion caused and said that she was taking some time off. A painting by the British artist L.S. Lowry that was lost to the art world for seven decades is to be sold at auction in London. The artwork is entitled The Mill, Pendlebury and features a typical Lowry scene, a densely packed depiction of industrial England. Here's the BBC's David Silito. Prams, dogs, chimneys, cloth-capped workers. It is immediately recognisable, but it's never featured in any of the books and exhibitions of Lowry's work. It was owned by Leonard Hamilton, a medical researcher who helped the team who unlocked the secrets of the structure of DNA. It's thought to have been a gift from his parents. There's a picture of him as a student at Oxford, and there above the mantelpiece is the painting. He then emigrated to the United States and took the picture with him. Leonard Hamilton died earlier this year, and there was real surprise when it was discovered just what was in his private collection. Ivory Coast has issued an arrest warrant for Guillaume Soro, a former rebel leader and a likely strong candidate in next year's presidential election. The state prosecutor outlined allegations of embezzlement of public funds and money laundering against Mr Soro and four others. The warrant was issued as Mr Soro prepared to return to the country after six months. Alain Labonion from the Generations and People in Solidarity Party says the move is politically motivated. Neither Mr Soro nor his entourage were informed of the existence of an arrest warrant. In any case, if there was an arrest warrant, it is to be regretted that democracy in Ivory Coast is being torpedoed by the falsification, which would like to see a lack of transparency in the judicial proceedings. Mexico says it's deeply concerned about what it calls the excessive presence of Bolivian security teams monitoring the Mexican embassy and ambassador's residence in Bolivia. Relations between the two countries have become increasingly strained since Mexico granted asylum to Bolivia's ousted president. The BBC's Warren Bull reports. In a strongly worded communique, the Mexican Foreign Ministry said the new Bolivian government must respect the Vienna Convention, which states that a nation's security forces cannot enter diplomatic premises without permission. There are reports that dozens of Bolivian police have surrounded the Mexican ambassador's residence in La Paz. While Eva Morales was initially given asylum in Mexico, several members of his administration were granted diplomatic protection in Bolivia itself, in Mexico's embassy. Their supporters believe the right-wing administration now in charge in Bolivia is preparing to send in police to arrest them. Police in New Zealand say they've called off the search for the bodies of two people still missing since the White Island volcano eruption earlier this month. 19 people, including the missing two, were killed by the eruption. Hundreds of people have protested in Myanmar accusing the police of misconduct after they revealed the name of a three-year-old girl who'd allegedly been raped. The police named the girl and her family after a court released the man accused of raping her for lack of evidence. The rape is said to have happened at a nursery in the capital, Napier in May. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.38 yen. The euro is one US dollar ten cents. The pound is worth ten Hong Kong dollars and seven cents. 
Hong Kong stocks saw small losses in thin trade as investors closed up early on the last day before Christmas. The Hang Seng Index ended the day at 27,864, 42 points down on the previous close. Turnover was $30 billion. With the sports, here's Adam Chung. We start in the NFL where the Green Bay Packers have just beaten the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football. Aaron Jones rushed for 154 yards and two touchdowns, and the Packers went on to win on the road by a score of 23-10. to They kept the host off the scoreboard for the entire second half. The Packers improved their record to 12 wins and three losses. They're in a three-way tie at the top of the NFC alongside the San Francisco 49ers and the New Orleans Saints with one game left to play. All teams will be in action for the season finale on Sunday. Now a day after an epic comeback victory, the NBA champions Toronto Raptors went to Indiana where the Pacers beat them in overtime. Aaron Holiday dropped a pair of late threes in the game to help the home team win 120 to 115. The Pacers were led by 24 points each from TJ Warren and Miles Turner. Kyle Lowry had a game high 30 points in defeat. Elsewhere, Ben Simmons had a triple double as the Philadelphia 76ers got past the Detroit Pistons 125 to 109. The Sixers will be featured on Christmas Day alongside the league leading Milwaukee Bucks. Here's a preview from RTHK's Rage Ivanovich. A little bit of a history and background. The NBA has been playing on Christmas Day since 1947, one year after the league started, and sort of become really the, uh, the the focal point. The first one, Boston at Toronto. You just mentioned that incredible rally over the Dallas Mavericks by the Toronto Raptors. Uh, Milwaukee then against the Philadelphia 76ers. Milwaukee owns the best record in the entire NBA. That's the featured game, in my opinion. Then you move over in the Western Conference, Houston at Golden State. Then you've got the Clippers and the Lakers the battle for Tinseltown, but uh, it's lost some of its luster because, of course, LeBron James is, uh, is doubtful, injured, probably will not play. Carlo Ancelotti, the new manager of English Premier League side Everton, says turning the club into Champions League contenders is not impossible. Ancelotti spoke at his first press conference since taking over. The former Chelsea, Real Madrid and AC Milan coach signed a deal to manage Everton until 2024. Yeah, this is the the long-term goal, objective. To to be competitive in Premier League, of course, Premier League is a a really competitive league. Everyone knows it. There are a lot of fantastic teams here. But the goal of the club has to be be this. We need, uh, we want to be ambitious, and so this is the goal, and of course, to be competitive also in Europe could be, could be good. Everton are 15th in the Premier League, four points above the relegation zone. Ancelotti's first match in charge will be against Burnley on Thursday. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The foreign minister says Hong Kong people will one day learn to love the one country, two systems principle. And Lan Kwai Fong braces for a downbeat festive season. The news from RTHK.
Good afternoon and welcome to the One Two Three Show. I'm Sadia Osmani. My thanks to James Ross for the morning room. Had a nice chat with him earlier on. And on the show today, we have food, fashion, and festivities. Yes, a bit of a seasonal flavor to the 123 show on Christmas Eve. Ho, ho, ho. I did ask Santa to make an appearance, but I'm afraid he's too busy wrapping up presents today. So he said, I'm sorry, I can't do it, Sadia. And I said, okay, maybe next year. Instead, we have to talk festive with my guest just after 1.30, Anne-Marie Harmony Elunga, diversity activist, fashion model and founder of Harmony HK. She's going to come in and uh, give me her personal insight into food and fashion, especially during the festive season. And after 2 p.m., uh, keeping our festive theme going, food and drinks reporter Andrew Dembina speaks to chef Lee Adams of Sky Restaurant and Bar at the Park Lane Hong Kong Hotel.